Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 82 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 139 of Recipe continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AW continues. And last night was AW Grand Slam going down live from Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. And this was a very good show, but as I dinged Monday Night Raw for this past week, I will call out AW. AEW for not one, not two, but three distraction and or foreign object finishes to matches that I did not like, despite the really good match quality up and down this card. But I got to call out booking fallacies in that I can forgive one or two things going on back to back, but to run it three times in a row is excessive. You got to stop with those booking tropes that can drag down the show despite how great the match is. So for future reference, calm down on distractions and foreign object finishers to make these matches flow a bit better and take a risk when you want somebody to win outright. Let them win clean as a sheet. There's nothing wrong with it. Take chance on certain folk which I'll get to shortly but minor criticism aside a very strong show and I have one suggestion for AEW I mentioned this last year this stadium is majestic it's absolutely stunning I would love some area shots outside of the stadium to really give us a full scope of the building I know it's not a football stadium per se but it's still a stadium the world's largest tennis stadium showcase that beautiful structure give us a full scope of what this show means that's all I'm saying if WWE can shoot shots of all the stadiums they go to you can do the same AEW just to make this show stand out a bit above the rest when you produce shows every single year around this time so Without further ado, allow me to take off my production hat and dive into the first match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. It was Claudio Casanoli versus Chris Jericho. The fans loved singing Judas, and this crowd was absolutely hot for Jericho and Claudio. They put on a show, and Claudio's strength is ridiculous. And Jericho is not a lightweight. He is a heavyweight. He's lost a lot of weight, very muscular at 51, going on 52 years old. But he was working his ass off, going toe-to-toe with Claudio. At one point, Claudio lifts up Jericho for a press slam into the ropes, crushed up Jericho, booted him outside the ring. But Jericho uses Ring of Honor. OG carries Soken as a shield. He bumps into him, goes after his neck, and that allows him to post Claudio on the outside. Eventually, Claudio fights back with a European uppercut, but Jericho gets an eye rake and suplexes Claudio on the floor as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. We come back, and Claudio has Jericho in the corner, and Jericho is going for her Karana, but Claudio is going to lift him, and he is going to go for a avalanche cola bomb from the top rope, but Jericho is going to use his core strength to still pull off her Karana from the top rope. The core strength and the counter was everything. The next counter was even better as Jericho goes for a code breaker, but Claudio hits him with the European uppercut for a near fall. This match is so good and it plays to both guys' strengths so well. Eventually, Leo lands those anvil elbows on Jericho and goes for a sharpshooter, which Jericho blocks, and Jericho is going to block a low blow kick, 
by Jericho and lands the Ricola bomb for two. He goes for a springboard European uppercut, but Jericho counters with a code breaker in midair for two. He locks in the walls of Jericho and Claudio. Claudio is going to break the hold and land 20 revolutions via the big swing on Jericho. Goes for the sharpshooter. Jericho blocks, but gets rocked with the lariat courtesy of Claudio. Jericho scurries in the corners to grab Floyd, the baseball bat. Claudio grabs said baseball bat. He and Jericho get into it a bit, and Jericho tries to back body drop Jericho into Aubrey Edwards in the corner, and that is Distraction allows Jericho to low blow Claudio and land the Judas effect on him to become the new Ring of Honor world champion. I'm not surprised by the outcome because I predicted it last week right here on WST because Jericho is going to be the kind of guy you want as your champion if you're going to launch a promotion for national television. He was the first OG champion for AEW. If you're trying to secure a TV deal for Ring of Honor, he can be your champion to push pay-per-views and television and you can anoint the right champion when the time calls for it. Claudio was a great champion for the must he held the title but I figured this would be Jericho's time as he gets his Ocho his eighth world championship a remarkable feat across multiple promotions and we get a JAS celebration and it should be noted that Daniel Garcia brand new pure champion was not very happy that Jericho cheated to win the Ring of Honor World Championship and you never know the tea leaves could suggest that Daniel Garcia could be a double champion if he is able to confront and beat his mentor whenever that day comes. Overall, a very hot way to kick off the Grand Slam edition of AEW Dynamite. Next up is Swerve in Our Glories. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland defending their AEW World Tag Team titles against the acclaimed's Anthony Bowens and Max Caster. And this crowd loves the acclaimed. They love Billy Gunn, Scissor Me Daddy all day. They were into this crew so much. And I got to be honest, when they initially announced Swerving on Glory versus the acclaimed at All Out, I wasn't enamored with the matchup. Kind of came out of nowhere. And I was kind of lukewarm to it until the match actually took place and the fans were going off for the acclaimed. They were over, over, and the fans were pissed when they didn't win those titles. So you had to run it back on Ash to see if they could really win the titles the second time around, and this was the perfect night for a coronation. I liken their reactions to Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 28 in Miami 10 years ago, in that we did not know the full scope of how over he was and how over that yes chant was until you saw those Sia fans go crazy in the 305. It was a moment. And those fans were pissed the fuck off in 18 seconds when he lost the championship to Sheamus. So the acclaimed, they get this same organic reaction that you did not foresee coming at All Out. And they're over, over. And I'm glad that Tony Khan read the room and rebooked this match for last night's show. It was not as good as their match at All Out a few weeks ago on pay-per-view. There was a hiccup or two in this match, which caused the crowd to go, hmm, And it really killed the heat for a moment because the crescendo was hitting, the fans were hyped, and they could feel a title change coming then. A slip-up happened either deliberately or by accident that kind of killed the flow for a bit. They got it back together towards the end. But I want to single out Max Caster, who is starting to find himself as an in-ring performer. And I compare it to Angelo Dawkins wrapping the Sheep Profits in that you see someone get better and better and they get comfortable in the ring. Anthony Bowens is the ace. He's a guy that's going to be the glue to hold the match together. But Caster is holding his own against Keith Lee, countering a bill into an arm drag and lands a brain buster on the big man as well. At one point, Keith Lee 
shows off with a hurricanrana to Anthony Bowens early on before making the hot tag to Swerve, who lands a double dropkick on the acclaim to try to scissor me daddy. And he got booed out of the building as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. Max was being worked over prior to that brain buster on Lee, makes a hot tag to Bowens. Swerve gets involved as well, and he and Bowens go at it. Bowens, such a great wrestler, a great striker, great technician in there. But he gets caught up with that top rope powerbomb double foot stomp combo by Lee and Swerve, but Bowens counters Lee with a hurricanrana of his own in a great spot, but Lee is going to headbutt Bowens a short time later, rocks him, and Lee is going to go up top and land a moonsault on Caster. Caster moves out of the way, but Swerve is going to try to cheat his way to victory. He's going to use the boombox against Caster, but instead he knocks out Keith Lee in a great spot, and that allows... Bowens to land the spitting net breaker on Keith Lee. Caster goes up top with a mic drop elbow drop for the win, but he slips off the ropes, lands very awkwardly on his left knee, and you can feel the energy get sucked out of Arthur Ashe Stadium because that was a crescendo. That was the peak, and the fans were ready for this title switch, and he fell off the ropes. I don't know if it was a botch or not. I don't know if it was a sell job, but they lost the people for a good two to three minutes. And they got them back in the end, but I thought that would have been the peak to get them to go absolutely crazy. They still did, but that moment just felt so, uh, when he slipped off the ropes and it slowed down the pace a bit as Swerve and Lee went after Caster and Bowens at one point. Swerve lands a 450 splash onto both of them on the outside. And he has a face-off with Billy Gunn. And Billy Gunn can't touch Swerve because if he does, he's going to get DQ'd and that's going to cause his team the loss. So instead, he's going to calm down, chill out. But in doing so, the referee has his back turned and Bowens lands his spinning back elbow to Keith Lee. Swerve turns around and Billy Gunn lands a famouser on Swerve. He gets Swerve back in the ring. Bowens lands the neck breaker and Caster goes back up top to land the mic drop elbow drop for the win to become the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. This crowd pops. We got pink confetti flying everywhere. We got the scissor me daddy moment between Gunn, Caster, and Bowens. This was a great moment. It was a good match. Not as great as what they had it all out. And I think that slip on the ropes just killed the flow of that match for a good three minutes. But they got it back together in the end when Billy Gunn hit that famous or to help his team win their first major championship in AEW. I'm really proud of Bowens and Castor because they really started from the bottom. From Dark Elevation to Dark to Dynamite to Rampage to every show in between, they always entertained. And you can feel in the last few months they were getting over with the Suzumi Daddy gimmick and Billy Gunn had really good chemistry with them. And it got over and they went back to it with Billy ultimately dumping his sons. Or shall I say his sons dumped him in the end. And they just have a great dynamic together. And it just flows perfectly. Billy Gunn being over in 2022 is wild, but it's seamless with the acclaimed. And they're good in the ring. Bowens has always been great, but Caster has really impressed me as of late. His raps are funny. I have went in on him in the past, but growth is very important to me. And if you opt to just discover who you really want to be and lay off the bullshit, then you too can find success. And he's done that. And this win is well-deserved. The fans were clamoring for this. This is a very organic moment that felt true. It felt meaningful and I loved it. I felt a visceral emotion to Swerve in our glory winning in Savannah a couple of months ago and I felt the same watching the acclaimed work their way from the very bottom to the very tippy top of the AEW tag division and it is a win well 
well-deserved. Next up is Tony Schiavone interviewing Willa Yuta on the main stage about Danielson versus Moxley for the AEW World Championship in the main event. And this leads to Maxwell Jacob Freeman coming out and MJF gets a resounding positive ovation from the Queens New York crowd and he relishes in it. He says, I am the devil and you are all my devil worshipers. If I would let you, you would drink my spit. The husbands would let me sleep with their wives, but I have standards. But really, really, Yuta, I'm here to let you know that what you just experienced is something that you would never have an ovation like that. People that love me unconditionally, they adore me. You wish you could get a tenth of that reaction. And Willie Yuta talks about how he's probably right. And he goes in on MGF's engagement and tries to say that maybe if she's wise enough, she would dump your ass because you are a spineless, worthless coward. And MGF responds by saying, well, you've gone from paint drying on a wall to a pet rock in terms of personality. That's growth for you. Good for you, Willie. But let Moxley and Danielson know that they're not fighting for a championship tonight they're fighting to lose to me so I can win my championship at long last and hell maybe you can learn some advice from Danielson on how to scramble your brains and be injury prone and Mox can teach you nothing because he's all over the place but maybe William Regal can teach you how to pop pills and Willie Yuta's mad at this he slaps MJF they get into a scrap until W. Morrissey makes a save they double team Willie Yuta as MJF knocks him out with a dynamite diamond ring to wrap up this segment and he goes after Tony Schiavone at one point as well and Tony's pissed off on commentary heading into the next matchup but I thought this was an effective segment not for Willie Yuta because he got owned by Maxwell on the microphone but Maxwell is fighting a battle with the people he comes out there he is beloved he relishes in it for a while and then he flips on the crowd by going straight incendiary going for the lowest hanging fruit which he normally does to get that heat but at some point I think that it would be very wise of AEW to stop fighting what the fans want they want to cheer for him MJF loves to be booed he loves playing a character to the hilt but he's fighting a battle with fans who really really want to love him and at some point you got to give in and give the people what they want and they want MJF to be a baby face and he can do it not only in Long Island but he cut that searing promo about his childhood earlier this year that got me he has the versatility to be many things as a performer hated heel bastard prick lovable baby face hero he can be a jerk he can be two things at once he can do it all he is incredibly gifted as a performer on the microphone and in that ring he is everything you want in a professional wrestler and I think the people want to cheer him they don't want to boo him unless he gives them a reason to do so and he did last night once again which is great but every time his music hits those people go off for him a year ago unanimous boos this year they pop not only in his home market, but everywhere else as of late. And that promo at the forum about his grievances in AEW, despite how it might have been all a work in the end, it came from a real place. It was a guttural promo from the heart and the fans bought in. It was a moment I will never forget. And they sat on it for three months. It was frustrating as a viewer. I understood it in the end because he got the pop in Chicago at All Out. But it is a promo that you can't set aside and say, uh-uh, it doesn't matter. It does. And those fans remember the impact of his words. And they thought, damn, he has what it takes to be a fucking amazing baby face someday. We've seen glimmers of it. And now it might be time to go all in in the not too distant future whenever he becomes AEW World Champion. That poker chip he holds can be cashed in 
at any time, a la Money in the Bank, as I thought it would be at the end of Rampage this past Friday. Next up is Pac versus Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic Championship. This was another good match with another shenanigans field finish, as I'll get to shortly. But Orange Cassidy was all business. He threw his shades at Pac, and he went for those very light shin kicks to annoy Pac, lands that shotgun, missed a drop kick with hands in pockets before Pac responds with a drop kick of his own that sends Cassidy into the corner, and he stumps him repeatedly. At one point, he lands a Fosbury flop on the outside, and he's going to post Orange Cassidy, was as him rocked for a bit as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. Cassidy briefly faced back as he tries to avoid the black Black Arrow by rolling very slowly out of the ring, but Pack lands a snap German suplex goes up top for the Black Arrow, but Orange and hilarious spot is going to lift his legs up to say I'm blocking that shit. Go ahead and try it. Come get me. And Pack is going to go down and try to reposition Orange, but instead he gets rolled up by Orange for a very close near fall. And Orange makes a tremendous comeback by landing Stun Dog Millionaire. And he lands two Tornado DDTs grounded in from the top rope. And the cell job by Pack was everything. He bent his body, his neck went back, he torqued it, he bent it. This dude knows how to sell DDTs like nobody's business. And I respect that. So at one point, Orange. Orange lands the orange punch on Pack after avoiding the brutalizer. Has the win. Orange is going to lose Pack as Pack is going to slink out the ring. He grabs a hammer, a hammer used to ring the bell, and he is going to hit Orange in the gut with the hammer to retain the championship a short time later. This was some bullshit. Third shenanigans finish of the show and an unnecessary finish at that. I have been very pro give Orange a title for the last few months or so. He's tremendous in every way. Every Championship match has been a part of dating back to 2020. He has lost TNT, the AEW World Championship, the Trios Championship, the IWGP United States Championship, but now the All Atlantic Championship. It's frustrating because two years ago, Orange beat Chris Jericho in their feud two to one decisively. And you would think that would elevate him to another level. He comes back from a bad shoulder injury and he's over. Moreover than he was before, delivering banger after banger after banger to quote Seamus. At some point, I would like to see Orange win the big one. It's been two years of him reaching that height with Jericho, and now he's at a plateau again by not winning a major championship in AEW. I thought last night would have been the night to do that. Pac would be fine. Orange Cassidy could have won this thing and popped the crowd. He can't keep losing championship match after championship match. It loses its meaning and purpose after a while. And I just think this finish was not the way to go, in my humble opinion. Sometimes taking a risk is a way to actually build up future feuds around Pac and Eager Ethan Page and others for this championship. Let Orange be a world traveler if need be. Just take a risk and not try to do the most to protect him via another loss. It's not going to cushion the blow. It's still another loss on his resume when it comes to major championship matches in AEW. It's excessive and he needs a good day at some point, despite my love for Pac. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yes, somehow that rhymed. Next up is the Fatal 4-Way match for the interim AEW Women's World Championship involving Tony Storm versus Serena Deeb versus Athena versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I will say this off top. This was the least heated match of the night until Athena showed the fuck 
out. Her offense is so unique and so crisp and clean. She does a Tower of Doom spot on the ladies to kick off things. Then, in a highlight, she is going to deliver a fireman's carry Samoan drop combo to Britt and Serena D. But unfortunately for Britt, Athena lands right on her face, leg first. And I think she breaks Britt's nose. She's a bloody mess. She goes to the corner for a bit to recover. Athena wipes out Serena Deeb, and then she goes for a slingshot off the back of Tony Storm into a spinning code breaker in a great spot. She goes for the cover. Serena Deeb breaks things up. Athena gets rid of Serena once again, and that allows Tony to land that tornado DDT that spikes Athena on the head. She's laid out. Britt goes for a curb stop is blocked, and Tony Storm rolls up Britt to retain the interim AEW Women's World Championship. The crowd is okay with the outcome, even though they were rooting for Athena in the end. After the match is over, Britt, Rebel, they jump the baby faces, and Jamie Hayter comes out to seemingly confront Britt. But Jamie goes after Tony Storm again. Britt joins in the beatdown, goes for lock jaw on Tony Storm until we hear some music hit. And the name Soraya flashes on the screen, formerly known as Paige in WWE. Soraya comes out to a huge ovation and she clears the ring and says, this is my house. This ovation was everything. I'm so happy for Soraya. And I really hope that she is cleared to wrestle someday very soon. She is all elite and I hope that she can be a difference maker in this women's division. I'm really tired of people popping up that make a splashy debut a la Ruby Soho, Tony Storm who finally won a championship very recently at All Out and even Athena a few months ago and these big splash debuts are fleeting and then the booking is so-so and they land on dark and dark elevation and sparingly appear on Dynamite and Rampage until a championship push is going to get them back on TV on a more regular basis. And I want Soraya to be front and center day damn one in the AEW women's division. And I hope that she's clear to compete and that she is going to pace herself and know what she can and cannot do in terms of taking bumps. We've seen miracles with Brian Danielson, Edge, and Christian Cage in the last four or so years. So it is not impossible to get cleared again to compete Stone Cold, wrestled at WrestleMania, and he's had triple fusion neck surgery over the past 20 or so years as well. So we've seen the marvels of Martin Medicine, and I hope that Soraya is able to go back in the ring, do what she loves, and delivers big. And this was a very memorable AEW debut I loved it. It gave me chills to hear back in the ring once again to say this is her house and rightfully so. And now it is time for our main event featuring John Moxley versus Brian Danielson for the AEW World Championship. And I thought this was a strong main event. This was not one of the greatest AEW World Championship matches ever, but a very good Dynamite main event featuring two guys that have a lot of respect for each other. And they're not afraid to lay in their shit with chops and slaps throughout great ground game for both men. Then at one point, Danielson lays out Moxley with a knee strike on the outside before landing a Busaku knee a short time later. He goes for a top rope drop kick, but Moxley is going to block that and locks in a single leg Boston Crab and two an ankle lock. Danielson escapes and Moxley gets a leg capture and release suplex that drops Danielson on his head and an early spot. The refs check on Brian, but he's okay as Moxley sets him up with a superplex by raking his nails deep into the back of Brian Danielson. Danielson does counter with an avalanche belly 
back suplex on Mox for a near fall. He is going to counter the label lock into a series of forearm strikes. Both men lock their legs up and bridge at the same time, and they're going to slap the hell out of each other from an upside down position. Brian floats over into counter mutilation on one point, but transitions into the anvil elbows once again. Mox gets on his feet, and he's going to continue to take strikes and chops from Danielson until he is going to lay out Danielson with a lariat for a near fall. Mox goes to the Death Rider, but Danielson counters with a Busaku knee for another close near fall. And from there, Danielson is going to go kick the hell out of Mox. But that foot he injured last week has been favoring him throughout every time he lands a heavy kick on Moxley. Moxley is going to go after said ankle and he is going to pick it. Goes for a curb stomp. You heard that right. A curb stomp a la Seth Rollins and hits a Death Rider for a very close near fall that pops the crowd. We have a four-arm battle between both guys. They lay in strikes and shots as the fans pop for this offense. So, in a fantastic spot, Mox is going to power out of a triangle sleeper, but Danielson gets a label lock, and Mox almost taps out, but he rolls out onto the main stage, and he's going to deliver a Death Rider on Danielson on ramp. It reminds me of what Kenny Omega did to Danielson last year by landing a nasty Snapdragon suplex on that damn ramp, and we all freaked out because Danielson took some gnarly pumps throughout that match to test himself in AEW for the very first time. So we think that's the finish. Oh no. Danielson kicks out again. The fans pop and Mox goes for a choke and he's going to put the American Dragon to sleep to become the first ever three-time AEW World Champion. Mox celebrates and we are very quickly getting off the air with Regal in the ring and Danielson pushing Regal aside in a weird moment but it was a way to just build tension to present Mox with a championship but the show went off the air but the fight tv international feet saw danielson present mox with the belt to really cap off a strong episode of dynamite despite shenanigans in the first three championship matches involving the ring of honor the aw world tag team titles and the all atlantic championship belt as well outside of that great matches throughout the night which was capped off by the amazing debut of soraya and i wish her the very best in AEW. May she be the punch this division needs to truly get over the top with more consistent booking and multiple feuds happening across Dynamite and Rampage as we get ready for a two-hour Grand Slam edition of Rampage tomorrow night on TNT. Lock in. It's going to be a long one, but it should be a good one. Taped from Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 82 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows. The drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search Receptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Saturday morning with episode number 52 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AW Rampage Late Night Rager. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.